Today in our Women in Tech series, we meet Karen Chen, the founder of an AI-powered platform that helps students practice their English speaking skills and pronunciation. Already, the startup has garnered clients from all over Taiwan. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to Chen to find out more. Betty bought a better bit of butter to make the bitter butter better. This is Karen Chen. She records her rendition of an English tongue twister on the platform. The platform then decodes the message and gives her instant feedback, scoring her pronunciation, fluency, accuracy, and more. Oh, okay. So it did kind of catch that I said, like, something's wrong. Chen launched her startup in 2020. She created an AI-powered platform that helps teachers assign speaking exercises lasting between 15 and 30 seconds to students. The teachers can manually input text, questions, video exercises, and more for students to practice their English speaking. After recording the message, students get instant feedback through the AI web app. The AI platform does all the grading and feedback for the teachers. And we make it really fun for the students, so it's almost like a game. Um, so you can think of it as like a, an application, a web application that students use to practice speaking English with uh, content that their teachers have created for them, whether that's like reading a text or answering a question, um, responding to a picture, telling a story, um, watching a video and answering a question. There's all these different types of speaking exercises that teachers can create using our web app and then the students can easily record themselves and get instant AI feedback on their pronunciation. Karen grew up in Los Angeles where she earned her bachelor's and master's degree at the University of Southern California. She was a teacher in Los Angeles for two years. She also has several years of experience running a consumer service startup in California, as well as being a global marketing leader at GSK. She moved to Taiwan about five years ago, working for a multinational company and as a news anchor. Two years ago, she created the startup in hopes of helping more people learn English. When I was at the multinational company, I noticed that a lot of my colleagues were really embarrassed or um, afraid or nervous when they had to speak English for uh, business purposes, whether it was meeting with colleagues or holding meetings um, and presentations. So uh, I looked into the education sector a little bit more closely here in Taiwan, and I realized that opportunities to speak English, to actually practice speaking English on a regular basis, is very rare here in Taiwan. Never learn any new language, it doesn't matter if it's English or not. Um, it's kind of use it or lose it. If you're not practicing actively using the language um, in a speaking context, it's really easy to forget and kind of lose that skill that you once gained. So that's why the speaking practice is so crucial to build muscle memory, um, to build a vocabulary, fluency. All those things are like the building blocks of retaining a language that you can actually use for the rest of your life. Chen is passionate about the democratization of education through educators and emerging tech. Especially with Taiwan's push to promote English fluency by 2030, Chen's goal is to not only help more Taiwanese people speak English, but also people in countries around the world that do not speak English as their first language. I think with all of our skill sets combined, we make a, a pretty well-rounded team in terms of having the education aspect. Um, Lilian is also a designer, and then Lucas with the technical skill, and then me on understanding the market and being able to sell into the school. A way to really allow for scalability and for students, because we want students in Taiwan to practice speaking English, but this problem exists 
all around the world. You know, there's 1.5 billion English learners around the world. And so the way to really open access to speaking practice is by using um, technology and SaaS, which is um, software as a service. So when you can offer um, a SaaS product that lets students to practice speaking English and then they get instant AI feedback, it's all about like the impact. So we believe that by being positioned as a technology product, we can impact hopefully you know, one day millions of students around the world. Chen hopes to continue to work with her team to provide more people with the access to English learning. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang, Wu Botong, and Yan Wenqian in Taipei. CEC head Li Jingyong says the vote is very significant as it will be the first constitutional referendum since the abolition of the National Assembly back in 2005. Central Election Commission head Li Jingyong posts up a notice formally announcing a constitutional referendum on lowering the voting age to 18. He urged the public to cast a vote on November 26th as the threshold for constitutional referendums to pass is much higher. To pass, it will need 9.65 million votes in favor. On November 26th, Taiwan won't just be holding local elections. Taiwan will also be holding its first constitutional referendum, where the general public will cast a vote to amend the constitution. To promote the referendum, organizers have created an augmented reality filter with information on the vote. The CEC has also produced an advert with former MLB pitcher Guo Hongzhi. In the ad, the baseball star calls on the public to cast a vote on the referendum, which will decide whether people as young as 18 can vote in elections, recall campaigns, initiatives and referendums, as well as stand for election. Currently, less than 20 countries and territories in the world have a minimum voting age above 18, Taiwan being one of them. In the past seven times that the constitution was amended, the amendments were voted on by the National Assembly. This time around, the legislative yuan has produced an amendment proposal which will be voted on in a constitutional referendum by the general public, so this is extremely significant. The threshold for a successful vote is high, but at least parties from across the political spectrum are all in favor of lowering the voting age. They all urge the public to use their ballots in the referendum next month. Starting tomorrow, Taiwan will do away with its mandatory quarantine for international arrivals. Travelers with no COVID symptoms will be able to take public transport from the airport or regular taxis at the usual fares. Taoyuan International Airport Corporation says it expects more than 12,000 arrivals on the first day of quarantine-free travel. Let's hear from the general manager. About a month ago, all subdivisions started revising their operations. At midnight on October 13th, everything will return to pre-COVID ways. It's been almost 1,000 days now. Over this period, the airport's affiliations have had to constantly adapt to new workflows. Before COVID, it was all about servicing travelers. Then our work became epidemic prevention. I believe it's been a challenging time for everyone. As border controls ease, I believe all subdivisions have made the relevant preparations. The CECC announced that starting Thursday, it will lower its travel notice for all countries and regions to level two. 
It still advises travelers to protect themselves when going abroad. It also reminds travelers to Taiwan that regulations currently prohibit hospital visits in the first seven days after arrival. Travelers are also advised to postpone any medical appointments for after the seven-day pass. Nanto County's winter cycling bonanza is gearing up to be a big one. The ultimate 2022 Bukai Owanda Red Maple Cycling Challenger takes place on December 4th on an all-new route. The race features magnificent views of the red maple trees of Nanto, as well as the landscapes of local indigenous villages. The ultimate 2020 Bukai Awanda Red Maple Cycling Challenger takes a fresh route from the Shangshan Visitor Center Sun Moon Lake through Bukai Village all the way to Awanda National Forest Recreation Area. The race, run by Nanto County and Forest Bureau, covers 65 kilometers and reaches a peak altitude of 1,311 meters above sea level. The event will be held on December 4th because our maple leaves will start turning red from now on, and they're at their most beautiful in December. The race follows a breathtaking route. Nanto County has invited cycling goddess Wei Huashen to be the event's spokesperson. I want to remind everyone to use a rear light when they're cycling. Slow down when you enter a tunnel. Go at your slowest to appreciate the landscape. This is a brand new cycling challenge route for the whole of Taiwan. Of course, in the future, we hope that even more people will come and enjoy the indigenous cultural sites on the route, as well as the cultures of the villages. The Red Maple Challenger will offer participants a wealth of different sites to enjoy, and Nanto hopes that keen cyclists from all over Taiwan will mark their calendars now. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. The Breast Cancer Society has put out an educational video to encourage women to get screened regularly and seek early intervention. FTB reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to the chairman of the Breast Cancer Society, Chen Shoudong, to find out more about the latest breast cancer treatment and research data. 现在开始把胸部还给自己，早期筛检才能及早治疗，为自己保留最多幸福。This is a video created by Taiwan's Breast Cancer Society, which urges women to go for regular screenings and conduct self-checkups. The society says the average age of contracting breast cancer in Taiwan has gradually become lower over the years. On average, Taiwanese patients are contracting breast cancer 10 years sooner than people in Europe and the U.S. Our average, the peak age, is 51 or 52 years old in Taiwan. In Europe and the U.S., it will fall around 60 years old, which is 10 years older than us. The Health Promotion Administration advises people aged 45 and up to go for checkups and get a mammography every two years. If you want to be extra careful, you can go to the hospital for a breast screening between the two years. If you pair these two together, you can detect cancer at an early stage. Chen Shoudong, the chairman of the Taiwan's Breast Cancer Society, encourages women to get screened regularly and seek early intervention. He also urges women who have already been diagnosed with cancer to seek neoadjuvant therapies. 
The first key thing is to go for checkups that can allow doctors to detect breast cancer in the early stages. That means the cancer is smaller, and it's more likely the patient can keep the breasts intact. The second key thing is that once the cancer is diagnosed, you should take action immediately. The third thing is that previously, surgery was the first step of treatment for breast cancer, and then post-operative adjuvant therapy. But some of these adjuvant treatments can be moved to the beginning and become neo-adjuvant therapies. There are five benefits to moving adjuvant therapy to the beginning. The first is that there may have been no way to preserve the breast originally, but after neoadjuvant therapies, the tumor will shrink, and the shrinkage can allow the breast to be preserved. After neoadjuvant therapies, chemotherapy, or targeted therapy, 40% of people who originally had to remove their breasts can now keep them. Chen says women can take steps every day to lower the risk of contracting breast cancer. These steps include eating a low-fat and high-fiber diet and exercising. In terms of prevention, the most important thing is diet. The diet should be low in fat and high in fiber. It is better to have a high-fat and low-fiber diet. The incidence of breast cancer will increase with a westernized diet. Eating habits are related to the incidence of breast cancer. Continuous and efficient exercise can reduce the incidence of breast cancer. Lastly, avoid the use of female hormones. If you use female hormones, it may increase the incidence of breast cancer by 1.8 times in the long term, which is reported in studies. The Health Promotion Administration provides free mammography examinations every two years for all women aged 45 to 69. Those aged 40 to 44 with a family history of breast cancer can also get a free mammogram. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Lu Botong in Taipei. A Bloomberg report published last week said the White House was stepping up its planning for a potential Chinese assault on Taiwan. The report claimed that the Biden administration's plan even included considerations to evacuate TSMC engineers should war break out. On Wednesday, Taiwan's National Security Bureau Chief Chen Mingtong told lawmakers during a question and answer session that the U.S. was planning no such thing. This is what he said. That's what the Bloomberg report says. According to our intel, the U.S. has no such plans. From my understanding of TSMC and its ecosystem, it is unmovable. It really is unmovable. And even if the other side of the strait took control of TSMC, the goose wouldn't lay golden eggs with them. We have the Hanguang exercises and all sorts of drills to prepare for a potential attack from China, but so far none of the scenarios has involved a U.S. evacuation of TSMC engineers. The defense minister said Taiwan's military is trained to respond to all possible scenarios, none of which involves a U.S. evacuation of TSMC staff. Taiwan-U.S. relations continue to warm. Taiwanese government-affiliated organizations are holding the first-ever Taiwan trade show in Washington D.C., featuring 83 Taiwanese companies. On the military front, the ROC defense mission in the U.S. has just been revamped, marking a new chapter in Taiwan-U.S. defense cooperation. With Taiwan-U.S. relations warming in recent years, the Defense Missions Office building in Washington has finally been revamped. In the future, with this new image, the Defense Ministry will hold closer exchanges with the U.S. military.
Recognizing the importance of defense cooperation between Taiwan and the U.S., the building was given a makeover eight years ago. Now, the newly completed building also symbolizes a new era in Taiwan-U.S. military relations. I am now at Twin Oaks, the most iconic site of Taiwan's representative office in the U.S. The estate is known for the two-century-old oak trees in front of its main entrance. This is where Taiwan's representative to the U.S. receives dignitaries. While receiving guests to a banquet, Taiwan's representative to the U.S. Xiaobi Kim told reporters what her three top priorities are as de facto ambassador. The three top priorities are Taiwan's national security, Taiwan's economic resilience, and Taiwan's international participation. Frankly, back in Hualien, my job centered around selling the county's watermelon. Many people called me the watermelon ambassador. Here in D.C., I must learn fast, and I must have range from pork to chips to vaccines, and recently missiles too. Facing China's military threat toward Taiwan, Minister of Economic Affairs Wang Meihua, who is currently visiting the U.S., had some words to say about the security crisis. We're just being here and not provoking anyone. With 60 percent of our semiconductors exported to China, who's reliant on whom then? In this case, imagine you're a rational leader. Think about this a second and third time. This is something to think about. As a global leader in semiconductors, Taiwan must remain secure for the world to prosper, she said. President Tsai Ing-wen on Wednesday received a delegation of U.S. representatives at the presidential office. The delegation is led by Eddie Bernice Johnson, who chairs the U.S. House Science Committee. The Democratic Congresswoman from Texas said she hoped her delegation's visit to Taiwan would be a reminder of the U.S.'s commitment to a free and secure Indo-Pacific. Tsai, for her part, thanked the U.S. Congress for its rock-solid support, adding that Taiwan will never bow to authoritarian suppression. Tsai shakes hands warmly with Eddie Bernice Johnson, member of the U.S. House of Representatives. It's Johnson's 15th visit to Taiwan. You are the eighth U.S. congressional delegation to visit Taiwan this year. Your visit comes in the aftermath of China's military exercises in August. This assures us of the rock-solid support for and bipartisan friendship toward Taiwan in the U.S. Congress. We will never bow to authoritarian suppression. We will continue to defend the values of democracy and freedom. I am in Taiwan for the National Day celebration this week uh, to remind the world that our commitment and shared responsibility for a free and secure Indo-Pacific region remains stronger than ever. Johnson stressed that national and economic security was important for the U.S.-Taiwan partnership. She said that this time around, she was traveling to Taiwan to discuss issues related to preclearance when traveling to the U.S., as well as carrying out exchanges on regional security issues. Over the past few months, we have seen the expansion of authoritarianism. This has resulted in people suffering the pain of war. 
To jointly maintain regional and global peace and stability, I want to reiterate that Taiwan is willing to further deepen cooperation with the U.S. and all democratic partners. Speaking as veterans, we know the horrors of war and the value and strength of peace. We know that, like the people of Ukraine, the people of Taiwan stand on the ramparts of freedom. And we are proud to stand shoulder to shoulder with you. International attention is firmly focused on Taiwan, as already three U.S. congressional delegations have visited Taiwan this month. So far this year, that's eight delegations from the U.S. that have come to Taiwan to show the U.S. Congress's support for Taiwan and the importance it gives to peace in the region.